Welcome to How Do We Get Here, a podcast on education and design with wellness in mind. I'm Mark Anthony, and on today's episode, we'll speak to Rob Blaine, professor in multimedia, as we discuss lifelong learning and how iterations of yourself can evolve your work. Robert, how are you? How is it going, Mark? <laughs> it's going good. How are you doing? I'm amazing. Thanks good. for asking. Good. How's your summer been treating you so far? It, uh, it's been okay. A lot of family. So that's, yeah. that's good. That's I'm good. My, uh, FaceTime my family or real-time family? Uh, sorry? FaceTime family? Like extended no, family? No, real-time family. Real time. So I'm with <laughs> okay. my, I have two kids and, uh, you know, a wife and a dog. And uh, it's been a lot of together time. And, nice. uh, but it's good. You know, they're young and we have a lot of fun together. So I know, because it's funny, right? Things go really quickly. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it seems like I was just graduating from school not too long ago. And now... <laughs> Not so much. I'm, yeah, no. <laughs> I'm old. Yeah, exactly. That's like me now. Like I told you before, I'm like really into running. So every day now I've been trying to do a, a run. So I think today was day 70 or 71 or something. Okay, that's commitment. Yeah, so that's that's good. That's why I did it to, to actually practice my commitment, right? my resilience. So even on days when I don't want to do things, I have to do them. Yeah. Uh, no, and that's important. To. I think that's one yeah. of the things that's when you don't feel like doing it, you have yeah. to do it. You have to do uh, it. That, that's the real commitment thing. Cause uh, I don't know how many times I've started off at a gym. It's gone pretty well. And then normally what happens for me is I get sick. And when yeah. I get sick, that's always an excuse. Okay. I'm not going to the gym this week. Yeah. And then that week becomes two and three and four. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, you know, and that's, that's what usually happens to me. It's like, I go on a streak yeah. and then it's like, Oh, pulled hamstring. Oh, mm -hmm. got the flu. And then you're like two weeks behind and then you start all over again. Yeah. But, yeah. No, it, uh, but yeah. Now that you're older, it's like, I can't just stretch and then go for a run. It's like, I actually, my workout is actually part stretching. <laughs> and then mm -hmm. the other half is the Oh run. yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Because I know I play hockey. Uh, no, I play hockey and I, I sort of retired for about five or six years and then I came back. Yeah. It was one of those things where I couldn't do a lot of what I used to be able to do. And it was just very frustrating. <laughs> yeah. It's just not even being very fast anymore. Just, but yeah, yeah. your it, mind uh, might be going fast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, anyways, so Rob, thanks for speaking to me today about uh, lifelong learning. Um, as someone who's been through the academic system multiple times, and also I pivoted between interests and careers, I feel like this is a mindset that most people in our field might identify with. And we all have unique backgrounds and traveled along different paths to get to where we are today. And I think yours is one that many of my adult learners have experienced. So I'm hoping mm -hmm. that some of our students who are beginning their academic journey find your story and our conversation useful. So before we get started, um, I usually let guests introduce themselves. So do you want to give our listeners an introduction of who you are, what you do, and maybe how you got to where you are today professionally? Yes. So my name is Rob Blaine. I'm a designer, maker, tinkerer, educator. Currently, I'm a full-time professor at Humber College in Toronto, Canada, and I coordinate the Multimedia Design and Development Program. Um, so with my current role as an educator, I'm really passionate about lifelong learning and how do we prepare emerging designers with the tools and techniques that are necessary for them to stay relevant in what I always consider is an ever-changing industry. Uh, whenever I speak to a potential student about this industry, I tell them the great thing is that you're always going to be learning new things. And I also tell them that the worst thing about the industry is that you always have to learn new things. 
It's, you know, it's it's a fair assessment. Yeah. Uh, I was the kid that would take a screwdriver and take my toys apart to see what was inside and try and figure out how it was made and how it worked. Half the time I wasn't able to put it back together, but I would slowly <laughs> learn how to put it back together, yeah. uh, which frustrated my parents, I think. But uh, but it was a really good, I don't know, I've always sort of had this like tinkering mindset of it. I really want to dig into things and see what's inside and and really understand everything. You uh, You mentioned in your introduction you have a variety of uh, personas that might be categorized as separate career paths, right? Like designer, maker, tinker, which kind of mm-hmm. tells me that you're curious about things, right? Mm-hmm. And and especially as an educator. So I'm guessing like this curiosity is what possibly makes you identify as a lifelong learner yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like learning. I, I think yeah. that's the the simple fact. I really like to learn, you know, I look at something and I want to know how it does it work and, and how does it, uh, how can I learn about it? And in, there's all sorts of things that I, I like learning about that have nothing to do with my professional career. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of things that have stuff to do with my professional career. But yeah. I think at the root of it, I really do like learning. Mm-hmm. And I, I hope to sometimes pass on some of that learning to other people. Yeah. Like I, I was just like you, like I also used to take my brother's or my dad's tools and like take things apart from my remote control cars to the VCR, mm-hmm. you name it. Yep. You know, <laughs> I was always sort of like reverse engineering things to see how they worked and, and try to recreate them. So I think that curiosity for understanding how things work really steered my interest in technology, science, and eventually design. And like design was that combination of art and science that use technology mm-hmm. to create something unique. So it actually kind of made my thoughts and imagination sort of come to life, right? So totally. I'm, I'm wondering, like, what was the catalyst that sort of first propelled you in your career in design? I think that's an interesting one because I, I come from a family of lawyers. Uh, my father's okay. a lawyer, my brother's a lawyer, my uncle's a lawyer, my grandfather was a lawyer, you know, so it's everybody's lawyers. Mm-hmm. And take your kids to work day was, was great for me. Cause I sat there and I watched my dad read like a thick stack of paper. <laughs> and, and I sort of looked at him like, dad, is this what you do for a living? Yeah. And he looked at me, he's like, yeah, what'd you think I did? I'm like, I, I don't know something more exciting than this. I, I, I don't know. I, 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 you know, I think it's one of those things where you think your, your parents do like all these amazing cool yeah. things. They're like, no, no, and he just like, reads paper. You just file papers. Yeah, it? exactly. And, and he like underlines things and, <laughs> But, uh, you know, it was, but it's one of those things where, you know, my family, I sort of knew about the traditional professions, I guess you'd say, right? So, you know, doctor, lawyer, engineer, yeah. architect, but I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I actually didn't really even know what design was. I, I don't think in high school, when it was time for me to say, you know, there's always the, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm-hmm. Which I think is always one of the worst questions, but yeah. um, it, I didn't know, right? And it was always trying to shifting. And I, I knew I liked this tinkering and making things, but I didn't know what the actual word was. And I, one day, I think it was, you know, one of those open houses or open fairs, I was wandering down and I, I sort of had this conversation with somebody about architecture. Mm-hmm. And that was one of those things where I knew a little bit about architecture and I sort of had a good chat with this person. It really, that's where I started off. I, I first went into architecture school and I did like a minor in fine art history. And really at this time, I didn't really know, do I want to be an architect or not? But what I did think was a good understanding and expectation that my parents and I sort of had was, let's go and try something because, you know, it's, let's see, you know, try it for a year. If you don't like it, we could always try something different, but really you got to try in order to know whether it's right or wrong for you. 
And while I was also in architecture school, I took some courses in graphic design. And some of the projects I did were uh, for the submissions, I was allowed, you know, you always get a little bit of rope to play. So I tried to explore things like audio and video. Um, I think actually in my final thesis in my architecture project, I did like a sound hotel. So it was, it was acoustically themed hotel. So each room would have different acoustics. Oh. And it was really this idea of playing with, you know, certain rooms would have you know, completely devoid of sound and others would try and you know, grab the, this, the sounds of the city and, and really sort of playing around with how does something like sound come into architecture, which maybe yeah. you wouldn't necessarily think about, but it was a good way to sort of start playing around. Mm -hmm. um, and then sort of at the same time, well, I guess I was working in, in architecture school. Uh, so I'd taken a couple of graphic design courses. I was doing some audio and video. Uh, I was also working at a tailor shop in downtown Toronto. And I, it was a really small, it was a small tailor shop and I became quite close with the owner. And he basically gave me the opportunity to do some of his marketing material and even like redesign his website. And this was sort of when, you know, it's not the, the birth of the web, but uh, websites were pretty new, so yeah. to speak. So there was, it was a little bit more open and uh, I went in and I sort of made what I thought looked good and you know what was reflective of his company because he had something I didn't think it was very reflective of what he did um, so this is sort of one of my first opportunities to go and design and this is one of these first times where I think I actually connected that you could start creating and making things and you could also get paid money and you <laughs> yeah. know I obviously wasn't getting paid a lot of money to do this stuff but still it was something or or sometimes I even you know you pay me with clothing so we do a trade right <laughs> yeah, like make, bartering yeah Exactly. I'd make something for him and I'd have a, a suit. And so I have a nice closet full of suits right now. I don't really wear them anymore, but you know, I have a really nice wardrobe. <laughs> anyway, so I, I finished my, my uh, degree. And at that time I was, I was accepted to do a master's of architecture. So, you know, I was doing an undergrad and then you have to do a master's and it's a pretty lengthy process. And really at this time, there was something in my head that was sort of saying, you know, that I, I liked architecture and I really liked the experience that I went through, um, but I didn't love it. And it was sort of, this is where I came this notion that I started to use now with a lot of my students, I call it the 2 a.m. test. Mm. And what I sort of tell them, you know, if it's 2 a.m. and you have to produce something for the next morning, what is it that you'll want to be doing? Uh, or maybe it was like, what is it that you don't want to be doing? Because I think this, could, you know, it, it's the, if I'm working in the middle of the day, I can sort of, you know, I can work my way through things I don't like so much. Yeah. But if you have to do something and the pressure's on, if it's something that you enjoy doing, I think that's going to make it, uh, it's going to make it easier for you. For sure. And that passion's going to come into your work. So that's sort of what I gave myself for, you know, the, I, I, I knew I liked architecture, but I didn't love it. And it was, I, I also figured too, if, if there's other people who love it, they're going to be the ones at 2am who are putting in that extra effort and it's going to show in their work. Then, you know, I graduated from school and uh, I, I started working full-time as a graphic designer and it was a company that had a really small design department. I think there was, there was technically about four or five of us there. So we worked really closely together and it was really good because when I, I, I sort of went and interviewed, you know, the, the hotshot person that I thought I was graduating school, I'm like, hey, I think I can help out this company. So I, I went there and it was great because I designed anything from an instruction sheet to, you know, how to put together a display. Uh, I did marketing campaigns for tires. Very exciting. <laughs> Promotional videos, websites. But, but basically, I was doing all sorts of different design. And this was really an opportunity to take all those skills that I had learned and really be able to learn how to, to turn out design quickly and also design that has purpose. Okay. So 
while that time, you know, while I was doing that, my creative director at the time, she actually had taught at Humber College. And we just had a conversation one day and, and she sort of asked me, I think, hey, would you ever think about teaching? And I sort of said, yeah, sure. It would be interesting to try out. And uh, I went and I think I did a portfolio review for uh, a graphic design class. And I sort of went in and told them about who I was. And then I think it was the next year they were looking for somebody who knew coding. They knew HTML and CSS. And uh, so I started to teach in the advertising and graphic design program. So I think this is also too, as I've, you know, I started to branch out, I was working my full-time job, but I took a day a week uh, working part-time. This gave me an opportunity to start to look at and really sort of see that, like, where am I going with my life and what do I want to keep doing? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I gave myself the 2am test, right? And I was trying to look at like the majority of stuff that I was doing at my full-time job. Did I love it? And, you know, I I don't think you can expect that everything you're going to do at your job, you're going to love, right? And and that's not my my goal. But a lot of the stuff I was doing, it was, it was okay, but I wasn't really loving it. And I I think it was, I was still putting in a good effort, but I think over time, if I'm not loving it, I think it's going to start to show in my work and, you know, you can almost graph it out, right? That that the longer it goes, the worse and worse my work would go. So this was sort of a time for me, you know, I decided to quit my full-time job and I started my own full-time, I started my own interactive company. Okay. And my real goal at that time was to start doing more of the projects that I enjoyed and, and really start to push myself a little bit more towards that ability to combining, you know, designing and coding. Uh, you know, and as I'm managing my, my day-to-day of my, my company too, uh, there's some things I learned that I didn't like, uh, like trying to manage things like cash flow, and, and, you know, each week is like, well, I have to bring in X amount of dollars to keep going and everybody's got to get paid. And, you know, and it was a good thing to do for part of my life. But uh, to be honest, I'm happy having somebody else uh, figure out my paycheck for me. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd rather focus on the design and, and tinkering and making fun things. So, so that was a really good thing to learn, though, through having my own company. Uh-huh. Um, but as I was sort of doing this, there, I was sort of coming to this, you know, this, okay, so what am I going to do next? You know, this, this constant thing that I seem to have, right, where I'm, you know, okay, what's next for me? And what can I do? How do, can I keep growing? And uh, so I really enjoyed teaching, but one thing that I found out is if you want to do it full-time, you, you have to have a master's. So mm-hmm. it was one of those things where I, I you know, I like teaching and I thought, hey, what if I pursued a career in this, but I do need a master's. So I went back to school and uh, that was interesting, right? Because, you know, I, I had known school for a long time, right? I'd gone straight high school, then I did undergrad, and then I was sort of out working. So going back to school was different, right? The first time around, I was, you know, I was single. I'm youngish, right? I'm in my early 20s. Uh, you know, I was living at home with my parents. Yeah. And then the next time around, right, I have a wife, a child, a dog, and a mortgage. Yeah. So there's this, it's a totally different situation. Totally different. Uh, but it was a really good perspective too, right? To see that, you know, when you come at things from a different point in life, you maybe have different values and different things that you're, you're looking for. I think another thing that I, th- I, I knew at this time, though, is if school didn't work out, that was okay, right? This wasn't like the end of the road. If, if, if you know, I go through for in a semester and stuff doesn't work out, it's not the end of the world. And I think the 22-year-old version of myself, if, if I didn't pass school or, or things didn't work out, it would be like, well, what am I going to do now? And at this point, I think with a little bit more maturity, I realized, well, I can just go and work somewhere else, right? Like, it's not like yeah. I knew I had what it took to, to work in industry. I think it was more the question of, did I want to work in industry and, and keep doing that? Or, or did I want to start shifting and do more of, you know, over an educational route? Mm-hmm. And uh, spoiler alert, that's the route I took. Yeah. Um, 
but uh, a lot of that thing was sort of the, the negative thoughts that you, you have in your head and, and the focusing on all the bad things that can happen. And that often happens, right? That I think the, the younger version of myself would really focus on that, where the older version of myself is sort of a, well, let's take this and turn it into a positive and figure out somewhere else to go. Yeah. So I think like, I mean, there's so much that you said right there that I think ties into a lot of what we're talking about today about being a lifelong learner or becoming one, or even just, mm -hmm. it's sort of a, a part of life now in this industry, really. It's not like you could identify yourself as a lifelong learner. You just, you are one and you yeah. will be one if this is the sort of um, climate that we're in right now in, in design, right? So I think like yeah. some key things that I took from what you're saying is, is, you know, as you started, you began your sort of like path in architecture and then graphic design. You also had this sort of foresight into how you can blend different interests to separate yourself from the competition or others. So basically what you're doing there is you're making yourself unique. And by doing that, you're adding value to yourself so that when you do go out into the world to try to find a job or find clients, if you have your own business, you can actually articulate why you are um, different than everybody else. What unique perspective mm -hmm. you have with all these different skills and experiences and education and outlooks um, on life. And also, you you made it a point to be present when opportunity came to you. Like when your teacher came to you and said, or your art director, sorry, who was a teacher, came to you and said, hey, what do you think about teaching? You know, you didn't back off and say, oh, I don't know about that. Like I'm scared about, I'm scared of teaching, whatever. You kind of just took that opportunity because you may have said, here's a different route I could take. Here's something that I can add to my tool belt that will make me more unique and more valuable. So it's sort of a combination of, you know, you're going through your journey, you're, you're learning new things, you take a pause to reflect on what you've learned and how you can move forward with it or put them together because you really don't want to leave one behind mm -hmm. in your sense. You ask yourself questions and then you learn how to adapt and then you set new goals. But I think all those goals that you're talking about from the architecture to graphic design to, you know, the teaching is all for a love of what you do, right? Mm -hmm. And I think all of that brings confidence um, to know that, you know, I, I can look back and I could say, hey, I did the master's. Maybe I was fearful of that, but I attained it. Maybe I wasn't sure what design was, but now that I know what it is, I know I can you know, compete in this arena or I'm at par with a lot of people. I guess like one of my questions for you is like, as you went through your academic career and delved into different pathways and disciplines, were there times where you felt apprehensive or uneasy about continuing your education? Like, did you encounter any self-doubt about returning to school or pressure from family and friends? Because you mentioned two things that are similar to me. At one point, when I go back to school or when I return back to college, like I first went to college for computer programming, like information systems, right? I, I go from that to, you know, I want to, just like you, I didn't know what graphic design was, but then I figure out what it is. 
I do that. I go from graphic design. I start working. And then, you know, something tells me later on in life to pursue my master's for education. Like I pivoted as well from designer to education. Mm -hmm. But through that journey, I was also at one point single, living at home, no responsibilities to the point where I can go back and educate myself or work wherever with whatever paycheck is coming in and I can balance. But later on, when I go for my master's, it's a matter of pulling out all my savings to roll the dice on myself to now start this new career in education Mm -hmm. while I have a family, young kids, elderly parents now at this point who all depend on me. So as an adult learner, there's a lot more risk. There's a lot more motivation involved in learning, but there's also for me a lot of pressure as well. Maybe I'm too old to go back to school. Maybe I might not be as successful because I might not have enough time to dedicate. Did you ever have those feelings or any sort of that like run through your head as you sort of switch through all these different, you know, yeah, I mean, different I, situations I, in, in your career? To be honest with you, I've always had a really good support network. Yeah. So I think as long as I was able to justify why I was doing something, I, I got a lot of support there. Um, I, I think for me, I found I had a lot more, I struggled a lot more probably at the start of my career in school. Um, Cause I think really there was that, I don't know what I want to do. And, you know, you see your friends are all, you know, friends are in engineering school or they're doing all these great things that you sometimes maybe question yourself and, you know, what am I going to become? And like, I, it's sort of that competitive sense, but it's like, you know, I, I want to be great too. So it's just looking at that whole change, right? And I think that's a big mind shift for, for a lot of students where, you know, they know what, what, what's been modeled to them. Um, you know, yeah, going back as a mature student was a bit different. Um, you know, I think for me, I did feel that there was less fear this time around because personally, I felt having a wife, having a mortgage, having children, that was a lot harder than school. So I wasn't as concerned with, with the education that time around. Um, I didn't feel like I was sort of going all in on myself, but, but I do understand a lot of people when they're coming back to school, you know, it's like, Hey, I'm 30. I'm so old. But, but if you look at the other way, if you're going to work till you're 65, you still have another like 35 years of your life working. You know, do do you want to be doing something you don't like? And, and I think it's that idea of almost leveling up, right? So rather than looking at everything's always a, a change, right? And that is entirely new is how do you take what you previously know and how do you start to apply that to what you're going to be currently doing? And that's always a conversation I have with students where if, if we're, we're talking about something, and I think it also works well if a student's struggling to talk to them about like, well, what do you like? And what do you want to do? You know, what, what's sort of your passion? And can we start to incorporate some of that into your projects? Yeah. Like sometimes I ask students, like, even, I mean, it might sound bold, but sometimes I ask them, like, why are you here? And I don't mean it in a bad way. I mean, like, what made you come here? What drove you to be here? What influenced you to come here? What is it about design? Or do you even know what design is Mm -hmm. for you to actually be in this seat? Because for me, I didn't, but I know that back when I started design, graphic design wasn't even, uh, it wasn't highly talked about as a pathway for education, really. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's like, what what are those passions that you have outside of school that led you to be here? And I think like, you know, two things is 
first, like, how did your mindset shift as you also shifted careers or got placed into different learning experiences that were foreign to you? Um, and two, the reason I asked that is that you mentioned that you encourage your students to take on uh, the mindset of becoming a lifelong learner, right? And you're always asking them, well, what do you want to do to figure out what their pathway is? So for a student who might be starting their academic career, who's currently maybe beginning their own journey and finding themselves and setting their own goals, um, how do you get someone to start thinking about learning as a process and not an end goal? Like knowing Mm -hmm. that this might just be the beginning to a larger puzzle that will eventually help them build towards their true calling or career purpose. I was like, for some students, this might be the point in which they are laying the foundation for their future, but they might not think so, right? Like a lot of students come into school thinking, I'm going to start and two years from now, three years, four years from now, it's over. And then I start working. Mm-hmm. But what we're talking about is, no, the learning keeps progressing. And it might not be always within a brick-and-mortar educational institution, but you will have to keep adapting, right, and keep learning and adding new things to not stay relevant, but stay competitive in your field. And even competitive with yourself, I feel, mm-hmm. right? Because like you mm-hmm. said earlier, like, you didn't want to be the person stuck in the same job doing the same thing for 30 years. You need to evolve. You need to change. You have interests. And as you do something new, you find something else within that that unlocks this curiosity to take on something else. So, like, what is it that you maybe tell your students or you incorporate into your classroom that sort of promotes lifelong learning for them? I, I think that really comes back to probably that I would say the individual conversations I'd have with them. I, I normally, I would say I teach more in the later years of the programs. So I, I, I think it's really, since design is such a process is yeah, it's a process that everybody's can go through, but how do you sort of make that process your own? And how do you start to incorporate a little bit of yourself into each of your projects? Um, Cause I think one of the things that at least with my program, that's really nice is that I have, students that go into different types of things. Some people want to do more video. Others want to do things like audio. Uh, Some do interface design or user experience design. So sometimes having those conversations one-on-one with people and say, hey, what do you really want to get out of this? Uh, I think it's a good way of letting them to sort of, you know, let them know that they're in the driver's seat for their own education. And I'm sort of there as a way to help them. And basically point them out, you know, point them to, here's some resources that you can go out and, and use. So I think that's one of the things that it's, it's important for students to always understand, you know, that you're in charge of your own education, right? Even, even though that I might be the person at the front who's talking and doing stuff, ultimately you're the one that's going to control what you learn, how, how you learn it uh, and how much you apply to that. Because I think that's the, the hardest thing I would say to, to get some people to understand when they're coming into design is it's not one of these things where you can do something once and you're done. It's that each time you do it, you should be getting better and you really have to spend a lot of time working on your fundamentals. And if you have really good fundamentals and you, you practice really well, so to speak, then you're going to be really good when it comes time for the finished product. So I, I think that could be a really hard thing for some people to understand when they're getting into design, 
Because I think the other thing too, is we look at things and especially as design evolves and it gets more mature, we keep seeing like version, you know, 612 of some app, right? We don't <laughs> yeah. see the very first version that was really crappy and was drawn on a napkin, Yeah, right? We're, we're seeing the thing that's really high fidelity that has all this like thought and all of these people that have worked on it. And I think that's a really hard thing too, because, you know, inevitably you're going to compare yourself to what you, you know and what you see. And if you don't get something right away, it, that can be discouraging. Right. And that's where really trying to commit to those things. And, and if, you know, really trying to encourage that if you have good fundamentals and you really learn the process as well, that you will, you might not become the best designer when you graduate school, but, but you will start to hit it at some point. Right. Like I actually think about, you know, with my portfolios, as I look at them, um, I, I think, you know, I was good coming out of school, but I think in the six months since I graduated and started working full time, the, the quality of what I was able to, of my work, just sort of like, it just skyrocketed. Yeah, it grew exponentially. Mm-hmm, That's why I say like, I when you to... graduate, it's actually just the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. Like sometimes mm-hmm. I think, especially for programs where we have like one year certificates, even two year diplomas, for me, it's almost like you're spending a semester or maybe even a whole year to actually gain awareness of an entire industry mm-hmm. or career path. The second year, third semester is all about developing those skills, reviewing them to the point where you could actually, you know, step forward into the industry upon graduation, which is why most Mm -hmm. people enter in as a junior. Mm -hmm. But like you said, like you start working six months to a year after that, you know, and you look back at your, your work from year one of school, you might, you might just burn it, right? Like you're just like, I I did that. Like, but but you start to really learn because now you're in the the process and the process is something that you're doing daily until you get that final product. And like you said, you're working with multiple people. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, you know, I find that I ask students to make a project or I have projects for them to make, like design an app. But if you look at the credits of some of the apps that they start to research that they want to create something like, there's teams of people working on that exactly and i'm asking one person to actually design that within four weeks yeah no it's like the analogy of okay you're gonna go and run the boston marathon yeah ever training right or or they're setting themselves you know people sometimes set themselves up for failure so to speak yeah it's like am i really expecting the quality that you know they want to make like a nike running app and in four Mm -hmm. weeks if it doesn't look like that it's like uh you got a 50 Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you don't no, even I, have I don't. time to research or process. So it's like, should I be, should I be encouraging more process? I, I think so. And I think it depends right? on where, you know, where, where they are. And what career. level ultimately I would say yeah, I get that. all the time. Yeah. I, but if, if you were coming into a program, so I, I do, there's a first year course that I did teach a first semester course. And really, you know, the, the conversations as I've developed the course really have been about let's reward people for process. Let's, let's focus very, very, very little on the end product they're creating, mm-hmm. because really what we want to try and mold here is here's how you come up with a, an idea and here's how you develop an idea. Yeah. And that's really about process. And if you yeah. can learn that process and you can really develop those skills, that's what's going to set you apart. Uh, because the next time and the time after and the time after, you're going to get better and better. Yeah. Um, where I would say, yeah, if, if it's a little bit later on, I, you know, I think I I still want to mark for process and I still do grade a lot for process. 
Mm-hmm. But, you know, if, if they're closer to graduating, I think we do have to still say, OK, let's look at the end thing that you're producing. And, you know, it's at this level. Your process work maybe is at like an A, but, you know, you're, the thing you actually produce is maybe a B. So it at least gives them an idea, I think, of where they can start to work. Yeah. Um, I, I've always found that, you know, that sometimes, you know, if you look at a lot of creative projects, you sort of have like poor idea and poorly executed. You've got a poor idea that's really well executed. Or you have a really good idea that's poorly executed or a good idea and it's really well executed, right? So it's kind of the four kind of buckets. And I think the, the last two are the ones you want to go for. Because I think if you have a really solid idea to start with and somebody's really thought through the problem, those are the things that actually are meaningful to people. Uh, we, we don't need stuff that has that are just time wasters and don't, that don't, that don't provide value to people in their day-to-day lives. Mm-hmm. So I think those are some of the things too, that um, even, we, you know, as I say, if I'm teaching a later year class, I think that's, that's some of the stuff that while people might execute really well, I think it's really coming back to really working through that idea and, you know, identifying what is it that really they need to tweak in their projects to, to make it something that's a real value. Yeah. And, um, you know, so there's always something you can work on. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where, that's one of the good things about design, right? Is there's, you know, and I think this is a hard thing sometimes when I, when I said this to, to students, I think sometimes it get misinterpreted, but, you know, it's really, it's, it's almost impossible to get like a hundred percent on a design project Be, because I mean, if you're getting a hundred percent, you're kind of almost making that thing that like everybody needs, but nobody knows about, or nobody knows it exists, exists yet. Um, so it's almost that idea that, you know, you're, if you're producing stuff that's in high, high marks, yeah, you're producing at industry level. Right. So rather than looking at marks, it's like, yeah, are you producing at industry level? Are you approaching industry level? And those are kind of the, the goals where you really want to get to, I would say, you know, coming out of, of school. Yeah. And, and when you mentioned that, I actually redesigned my rubrics this year to actually mm-hmm. be graded on those levels. Mm-hmm. There's like four levels where it's like exceeding, at, approaching and below mm-hmm. industry level. And the target is to be approaching. And that is, mm-hmm. you know, the that sort of um, threshold that I want them to meet. Um, And then it sort of does take away from the grade and it rewards the process and knowing that, you know, they can look at their project and say, okay, I'm learning, I'm on my way. Because what I found Mm -hmm. is in the past, like now I've been teaching now for what, 13 years, right? So like I started teaching what, around 2006? So a lot of these jobs and titles that we have now, I mean, going back to what you were saying about not getting stuck in a title, a lot of these titles like like UX, UI really didn't, to me, I never really heard someone call themselves a UX designer in 2006. I could no. be totally wrong. But yeah, no, no. I knew that when I started allowing students to work through process, and they started doing the research component and making that a milestone or an exercise or assignment as part of their design process, they realized that that was the component of the project that they enjoyed doing. Mm -hmm. They loved the research. They loved seeing or testing what uh, interactions a user would be um, or how a user is persuaded to interact with, uh, with a product or a service. Or someone may have just enjoyed the front end design of a website and not really the back end, right? Mm-hmm. So then when there started to be this separation I, I started to find when I started to allow students to sort of simulate that 
lifelong learning path where I'm basically saying, okay, you came into this to design a website, but look at all these other branches that now you can go into, Mm -hmm. right? And maybe that piqued their interest. And then now it's sort of like narrowed down their, um, their focus to maybe choose like a, a career path that was, I guess, more tailored for them, their strengths and their interests, right? So like after hearing your story, I mean, you've painted a picture of your, your maturation and a timeline as a designer. What do you think you want or what would you want future designers or any student for that matter to know about being a lifelong learner and maybe the process of learning? It's, uh, it's going to be hard at times. There are definitely going to be times when you're going to doubt yourself, but I think it's one of those things where it's, it's, it's a marathon, right? And you, get, you just keep, if, if you really do have confidence that what you're doing is, is you're going down the right path, that, you know, there's going to be blips along the way, but if, if you really are passionate about it and this is what you want to do, you're going to get there. Yeah. Everything's a process. Everything is mm-hmm. cyclical. So thank you, Rob, for sharing your story with us. Uh, I feel your story will be really insightful for others and hopefully let them know that being uncertain about their life's path is normal. They just Mm got to continue being curious, embrace the present moments when they get them and the opportunities and learn and grow and let their love for what they do guide them. Uh, If listeners want to learn more about your own um, sort of career path or see what you're doing or see some of the work that you're doing online, where can they connect with you? So I I am very bad at keeping my website up to date, but that's sort of my my main thing. I'm going to work on getting that up to date. But uh, yeah, my website, which is www.robertblain.com. So everything I'm going to do sort of on my website, I think, and I do have it. I really do want to start throwing some of the weird and stuff that I'm exploring and tinkering with up there. Yeah, because that would be cool. Throw up some of those robots that you've been building. Yes, yes. I didn't even talk about that. But oh my uh, gosh, so maybe that'll be the next time you have me on. Hey, we could talk about it again. <laughs> I could throw it in. No, honestly, that was great, Rob. Thank you yeah. so much. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate being asked to do this. It's, uh, oh, I hope that I can provide something of uh, value to some listeners. For sure. I think you did. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Take care, man. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. For show notes and links mentioned in this podcast, visit howdwegetherepodcast.com. To receive updates and new episode releases, subscribe to the podcast and follow me on Instagram and Twitter at edtechxd for all things education and design with wellness in mind. Thanks so much for listening.